Let's look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 and 24. Uh, we have a message this morning entitled Spiritually, Psychologically, and Physiologically. You know, I, I've picked up some things over the years, some have stuck, some not, not so much, about leaders and um, leadership. And uh, I've seen some, some, some leaders use this particular principle and I, I found it to be quite effective. So I try to use it when appropriate in my own life and ministry. And that is, a good leader is um, a planter. A planter of seeds. Um, a good leader is kind of like a farmer. Rather than just jump out there and expect to harvest, you've got to plant seeds. You've got you to get people on board early on, let the seeds germinate. Eventually you'll have a harvest, but you're going to have to get, get the process. God is a, a God of process. These, these lovely ladies here are in a, in a program that lasts a year, and there's no expectation in week two that some of them may leave the program. We're in a process. All of us are in a process. Your business is in a process. Your, your employers are in a process, your employees. We're, we're making our way through a process. That's, that's an important thing uh, to keep in mind. I have some notes for this sermon, and I put them in this book in case I need them. And I was punching holes in the paper uh, about... 40 minutes ago, and I thought, how many, how many times have I done this? And the answer is, I don't know, close to 700, just here. That's just, I've done that a lot, but it's a process. You see, it's a process. Um, culture that we live in uh, wants us to expect things quickly, um, instantly. Uh, I was microwaving uh, something the other day, and I thought, man, this is taking forever. It was a whole 30 seconds. like, <laughs> Wow. You remember, uh, most of you won't. If you don't remember what I'm about to say, praise God, that means you're not old. You used to have this thing called a Polaroid uh, instant camera, instant. <laughs> and this picture would come out and it would, you wouldn't even know what the picture was and you had to wait like a minute and then it would develop, remember? And some of us who thought we were smarter than everybody else would put it in their armpit like this, like thinking that, the, I don't know, the heat maybe, I don't know what we were thinking. But it's still, and then it came out and you go, man, I can't believe it happened so fast. And it was an incredibly mediocre picture of what it was you had just taken. Now, you, I can have a video. I can have multiple pictures in seconds, milliseconds. It's interesting. Anyway, we're, we're, um, we're not uh, shaped and molded by the world we live in to be patient. We're, we're not like the agrarian uh, agricultural uh, um, culture of the first century where... I wish we were in a way where you were dependent upon God for rain. If you didn't get rain, you, you didn't eat. Some of you came up in the dust bowl. You know what I, of what I'm speaking. 
and, and you, were, you planted a seed, but you knew that you weren't gonna eat anything the seed would produce if it produced anything for months. So, you know, that was a whole different ballgame. But when it comes to our spiritual health, our spiritual fitness, our spiritual well-being, or just the well-being of our life, we have to come to the realization that, hey man, every one of us is a work in progress. And uh, for that reason, I'd encourage you not to compare nor contrast yourself with everyone else. Where are you in your process? This process is called sanctification. It's a fancy, intelligently sounding word, sanctification. It means, how are you being sanctified? Uh, It means um, to be set apart and uh, complete. To set apart as venerable, holy, distinguishable from profane. There ought to be something going on in our lives that's distinguishable from who we used to be, different than who we've ever been, markedly and descriptively and um, observably um, have maybe different motivations, different goals, different desires, different thoughts, different speech, different values, different priorities, different uh, ways that we deal with money, resources, whatever, time. Uh, it, over time, the more we are sanctified or growing and maturing in our faith, the more we probably look like Christ. That's what it means to sanctify. So look at this, look at this verse now, 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24. It says this, now may the God of peace himself, capital H, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Completely means um, through and through, to the core, to the marrow of your bones, the totality of who you are. Let him through and through sanctify you, cleanse you, make you distinguishably different and holy, more happy, joyous, effective, fruitful. It's the big kahuna. It's the big sanctification process that makes your life more purposeful, more loving, more kind, more gentle, more fruitful. May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. So if I was looking at this verse and I wanted to know it better, maybe I'm sitting at your house in your recliner having your devotion, I would have probably underlined or noted the word sanctify and completely. Those are important words there. And it says, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body, that whole is a big word there. I would underline that one. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless. That's pretty strong at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. Oh, this is good news. He's going to do this in us and through us. It's different to say, hey, come follow me, and then if you get it figured out enough, go out there and be a fisher of men. He doesn't say that. He says, come follow me. I will make you a fisher of men, okay? So the cool thing about God is, He actually wants to be involved in the process. He comes up with the process as an antidote to our sinfulness. And then he goes, but wait a minute, I'm gonna leave you hanging, my goodness. In fact, that would be rude, would it not? Okay, in your deficiency, in your sinful state, I'm gonna send you out there so that you can be uh, acceptable to me when you've already proven you can't be. That's just rude. You You can't ask somebody to do something they have no capacity to finish. So God says, no, I'm gonna help you with it. Don't worry about it. In fact, You don't have to worry about it at all because I'm gonna partner with you. If you could have done what I need you to do, you would have already done it. 
This is not rocket science. You can't do it. Therefore, I want to be involved. I'm going to help you. He who is faithful himself will do it. All right, so this, God wants to do something in your life that's a process, that's fruitful, that's liberating, that's freeing, that's great. And he wants to do it in partnership with you. He wants to sanctify you completely. In what areas? Three areas of your life. Your life can be best understood if you marked it into three easily definable areas. Now, if you don't divide your life into three definable areas, you're gonna be too complex for your own self to figure out. You're gonna be a little bit off base on why you do what you do or don't do what you don't do or why you don't even know of what you're supposed to be doing or, or, or whatever. So break it down. Let's digestible bites. There's three parts of you. And if we understand each part and how those parts interact with one another, now we're getting somewhere. Spirit, soul, and body. So if you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Christ, you don't believe that Christ is your personal Lord and Savior, um, you're whatever, you're not there yet, so you're not born again, however you want to call it. You're just outside looking in, you're having questions, you're seeking, you're trying to figure it out. You're kind of curious actually, maybe. Well, you haven't left yet during the service, so that's a good sign. <laughs> you have a spirit, small s, S-P-I-R-I-T, spirit, and its purpose is to commune with God. That's what its purpose is. So if we're outside of a relationship with Christ, that particular part of you is dead. Sorry, it's not functioning. It's not supposed to function. It's not supposed to function until you make the choice that you do want to commune with God and you do accept Christ and what he did on your behalf on the cross so that you can come to the Father. So that's dead. Uh, Ephesians 2 and 1 says, we were dead in our sins and transgressions. All right? Look at it this way. There's nothing hooked up to that part of you until you make that decision to acknowledge what's done on your behalf. It's just idle and it's not even wired right now. Could be, if you make that decision today even, it's not, it's just dead. So if that's the case, you're probably praying things and getting no answer. You're probably trying to form a faith and it's probably a doctrine that you've kind of like morphed into your own. But that's okay, we're making making progress, we're going to head in the right direction, although that particular part of you is dead. For those of us who have made a decision to follow Christ, and we are born again, and he did die for our sins, and we have accepted that, then ours is regenerated. It's like the generators come on, boom. Power was out, now it's on, and then we plug it in. We can commune with God. That's what that spirit is. Then the soul, the spirit's called your pneuma. It means breath, like Pneumonia, but in a good way. Soul, it's your psyche. It's your mind, your will, and your emotions. So it's your thoughts, your logic, your reason. It's your thoughts about yourself, about God, about everything. It's the thing that, hey, everybody knows that one's on because it's working 24-7, your thoughts. And it's between your ears, and it's, it's, a, it's a busy, happening place, your thoughts, your minds. And then your will. What do you want? What are you doing here? Like, 
I don't know every person here and what goes on between your head, but that's your mind. And I don't know really what you want or what you aspire to or what your goal in life is, but that's your will. And will can be for big things in life or it could be everyday decisions. You could exercise your will to, to eat something or not eat it or buy something or not buy it or say something or not say it. It's whatever your choice is. You have that option. And it was given to you by God and it's a free will. You can make any decision you want to make. That's cool. Just know that if you make good ones, you probably get good results. If you make bad ones, you probably get bad results. Mind, will, and emotions. Now, I know we know what that means. Your feelings, your mood swings, your ups, your downs, your, your evenness, whatever. Whatever it is about you, whatever you're emotional about or not emotional about, whether you're emotionally shut down or emotionally wide open, that's a part of you. So if you, if you want to understand yourself better, think about, first of all, am I, do I have communion and access to God in my spirit? That's the thing we definitely need to take care of if you're not. And number two, gee, uh, what am I thinking? And is that helping me? Is it hurting me? Is it helping my relationships or is it hurting my relationships? What do I think about God? What do I think about this? Do I know how to think? Do I use logic, reason? Am I objective, subject, whatever? What, what's the deal? What am I thinking? Do I need to think differently? What do I think about my past? What do I rehearse day in and day out? What comes up in my mind constantly about myself, about others? Why, how does that thought life affect my relationships, my friendships, my marriage, my parenting, whatever? It's huge. What do I want? Do I even know what I want? And then how do I feel about it? Okay, at varying times, and this is on your sheet there, at varying times in our daily lives, one singular area of our being, your spirit, soul, or body, one singular area of our being can have too much or too little influence over the other two areas. This influence can lead us into sin, and sin alienates us from God. I would add from ourselves and I would add from others, okay? So if you got these three parts of you and one's in charge, it's calling the shots. The other two are, are diminished or less influential than that, that paramount area of your life that's in charge. Maybe makes good decisions, maybe doesn't. Maybe wants good things, maybe doesn't. Maybe overpowers the other two, maybe doesn't. Now, you should know enough about yourself to say, if I had one of these areas that's really strong, maybe too strong, and one area that's weak, maybe too weak, you should be able to probably identify it. If not, ask the people you came with. They'll tell you what it is. There are certain things that we're strong in that we could really be better off weak in. Uh, Strong-willed, stubborn. We're, we're emotionally hurting and it's compromising our relationships. We feel too much, we think too much, we analyze too much. We have the paralysis of analysis. All right, so there's the three things. And they have to be somewhat whole, complete, in harmony with one another, not in conflict with one another, okay? What exactly is sin? And how should we understand it? Sin, by definition, is a transgression of the law. 
I wonder about that sometimes. I think, and this is me, and it could be a part of me that's making the, the forming this opinion, but I think if you go the speed limit, you're transgressing my law. <laughs> this guy, Angie and I are coming up the mountain the other day from dinner, and this poor guy had a load of lumber, plywood, fall off his trailer, and it's, it's all over the road, <laughs> on a curve, of course. Well, how could it not be on a curve, come to think of it? So I, put, I stopped the car, and I put my flashers on, and I say to myself, I'm glad I'm not behind me, because you could come around the corner and just smash us. So I'm out there picking up plywood with, with this guy, and I'm thinking to myself, thank God no one's coming, because you can come around the corner pretty quick around here. But transgression of God's law is a sin. Most people say, well, you, you didn't, you're not hitting the bullseye. Okay, well, I would say you're just shooting at the wrong target altogether. You know, we all have sinned, Romans 3.23, and fall short of the glory of God. This is foundational Christianity here. So a sin, by the way, out there in the world is, the definition gets diluted more and more every day. Every day. It started with uh, postmodernism. There are no absolutes, and now it's, pretty much anybody do whatever you want to do when you want to do it. But the problem that we don't understand is when we do those things and it transgresses God's law, there's a consequence to our sin. Well, there's an eternal consequence without Christ who gives us forgiveness of our sin. But there's also a a consequence for Christians and non-Christians alike. When you sin, it's not like you're absolved from the consequences of your sin. You have to pay the price for that. If you want to be a glutton and weigh 400 pounds more than you're supposed to, there's a consequence to that. There's a consequence to addiction, as I well know. It will hurt your relationships. It will hurt your future. It will hurt your self-opinion of yourself. It will squinch and quash your faith. It will cause you to hide, escape, uh, cope in ways you don't want to cope. So yeah, every one of us, when we sin, are open to the possibilities of the consequence of that sin. Doesn't mean we're punished for it. Almost like we're punishing ourselves, really. We're setting ourselves up for the consequences of that sin. If you do something illegal and transgress not only God's law, but man's law or the government's law that God seemingly put in place according to Revelation or Romans 13, you could go to jail. I would say that's a consequence. 1 John 1, 6 and 10. If we say that we have fellowship with him, and walk in darkness. We lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. That's the key right there. If we say we have no sin, which is basically what's going on in this world, give it a little more time, sin won't even be an existent thing in the world. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. What will happen in the next 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years is that people that stand up in places like this and talk from the book, some will talk less and less and less, this is already happening, 
less and less about sin and more and more about our worth as people. Okay, we are worthy as worth something as people, but you can't just dismiss sin. The idea is that the person speaking is thinking that they're telling you what you want to hear. You have to have the three parts of you open to the fact, not only do you want to hear it, you realize that you need to hear it. Because anything that separates you from a clear, sensitive, ongoing, thriving relationship with your friend Jesus Christ, you don't want, nor do I. We don't want the consequences of our sin in our life. What we want is an unfettered, clear, whole, full of vitality relationship with Christ. So, so sin is gonna go away in the world, so the Bible says. But it ain't gonna go away here. Not here in this, not, in, not while I'm here. But it's not to condemn us. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We're not here to condemn one another or, or try in and of ourselves to, be, to attain to a standard we can't attain to. That's ridiculous. That's why we have Christ. That's why we just poured our affection on him. That's why we just adored him. That's why we just lavished at his feet. That's why we told him we love him. Because we realize our need for his intervention is our, the propitiation for our sin, okay? Some changes in our sanctification process can be fairly quick and effortless, and others can be part of a more difficult, I use this word, extrication, because I like it. I like that word. Use it this week. I think you'll find it feels good. It can be part of a more difficult extrication process. What does it mean to extricate? to free or remove from an entanglement or difficulty, to distinguish from a related thing, to unravel. If you're in a massive car accident, I mean like a total lost job, and you're caught in that automobile, and they need the jaws of life to cut you out, they are extricating you from the wreckage, right? All right, when you come to Christ and you start this process of sanctification, there's gonna be certain things in your life that go first. They'll be like boulders, obvious things. But eventually they're gonna be smaller rocks. And eventually rocks the size of a softball and then rocks the size of a golf ball and eventually they're gonna be pebbles. And you're gonna realize because you've matured in the process that the pebble needs to go just as much as the boulder did. Right? So it's, it, there's, there's job security in being a Christian. There's always pebbles. I have job security here because there's always sin. Makes sense. Extricate. Certain things have to be extricated. So when you go to a program for a year, my guess is the actual addiction of drinking or using drugs was probably pretty much a boulder. <laughs> I mean, it was fairly clear early on in the program here, this may have to go. Like you didn't come to the program to figure out how you could keep the boulder and manage it so nobody knew it and continue to enjoy it. No, you, you came that the boulder would go. Now, boulders are different for different people. What's your boulder? You may not have a boulder at this point in your life, but you've got a rock and you probably got, you probably got a pebble, right? Okay, so let's keep going. 
Philippians 2.12, therefore, my beloved, as you have now obeyed not only in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. What is that? This is maintaining a sensitivity to the pebble slash rock slash stone slash boulder in your life. Or if you really want to be included, I'm not including you, mountain. If you got a mountain in your life. The good news about mountains is mountains melt like wax in the presence of the Lord. All right, so you got a mountain, you got a boulder, you got a stone, you got a pebble. What is it? Probably changes over time. Now, how are we gonna deal with that? We gotta work that out. He's got, we've gotta work it out and he's gonna work in us. He works in us and it works out. He works in us, he's faithful himself to do it, and it's gonna work out of our life. Now, what is the most toxic? What is the most poisonous? What is the most destructive? What is the thing that's killing you? It's killing you. It's killing your marriage. It's killing your everything. It's killing you. Notify that one, that one area of your life. Put it on notice this morning. You're coming after it. And God's gonna help you work it out. Stone, pebble, rock, or mountain. Boulder, it doesn't matter. Pick one. Just one. Just pick one. Not three. One. And you'd be surprised. I'm gonna show you how to get rid of that one area. And you're gonna, you're gonna seemingly figure out in short order, oh my gosh, this makes the other stones either non-existent or not necessary or they're easily to get rid of. Pick the one. All right, there's three ways we deal with these things when they come at us. What do we do in that time leading up to sinning is so very important. In that time of temptation, we have the potential to do three things. Number one, we give in and sin. We give in and sin. These are the things that are, they've been nagging us for a long time, bothering us from a long time. Maybe decades, this thing has been a part of who we are. This thing is like, you need to be extricated. It's in the wreckage with you and it needs to go. It's hurting you. It's hurting your relationship with the Lord. You're having to work around it instead of work through it, and it's gotta go. It's a thought pattern, it's a fear, it's, um, it's uh, something that's deeply embedded in the way you think, dream, <laughs> interact. It's toxic, and it's gotta go. And some of you, don't raise your hand, you already know what it is. That's it. So what do we do? The first thing that we can do when this temptation comes is you go, oh, that again. Well, I have no, so you give in. That's it. That's the answer. You give in. All right, here it is. It's kind of like, well, that's what I do. You see, that's what I do is where we've ended up. It used to be a, a problem we got conviction over. Now it's accepted as that's kind of what I do. So, you know, okay, here it is again. I treat someone a certain way, I think a certain way, I act a certain way, I behave a certain way, and we've come to accept it as part of who we are. It's a part of us, not something apart from us. The whole process of sanctification is to get us apart from that and only have us left, okay? So what is that thing? Identify it and realize that more than often we probably give into it because it's so familiar and so consistent and so resilient so ever-present part of your life. So we give in. We also give in because we don't realize 
that whatever this thing is, maybe it's something totally new, we haven't quite learned that this is destructive yet. We don't know that it's destructive. So we just give into it. It's a big deal. All right, the second thing we do in these moments leading up to making a decision whether we're gonna do something or not is we resist it, but we resist it in our own strength. This is bad. This is bad with a capital B bad. You and I are not recruited by God to go out and manage and be Lord of our own life. We're not. It's not even in our job description to be in charge of our own life, totally. Like, he's actually, what's that word? It starts with an L. It's a capital, what is it, a capital L. Lord, that's it. He's Lord of all, except for me in this one area. Is that it? Except for me in this one area. Now, I'm Lord. Well, it could be that you are. That's my point. We need a small L on that area of your life and mine. Okay, so we resist it in our own strength. Sometimes we resist it in our own strength and don't get God involved in it. You know why? Because we know we're gonna lose and we enjoy the sin. But it looks better than giving in. We just act like we're gonna do something in our own strength, know that we're gonna fail, and then we feel better about it than just having given in. That's what's called a game, (laughs) right? A game, I don't want to, I don't have the time nor inclination after this many years of walking with Christ, I don't want to be in charge of this area of my life. I'd rather he be the Lord of my life in this area and every area because I know the best outcome is when he's Lord. So we give in or we resist in our own strength. And the third thing we do, we hope, is we turn to the Holy Spirit within us and overcome victoriously. I ask you to say this to one another this morning. First John 4 and 4, he that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. Okay, so we have at our disposal a choice, free choice, that we can make with our mind, our will, and our emotions, our soul. We could be a soulish Christian today, make a choice. I choose to handle this on my own. Maybe the outcome will be different this time. But this time I've written it down and I've made a New Year's resolution out of it. Ooh, I'm impressed. I'm impressed with that. Wait a minute, wasn't that same New Year's resolution in the last seven out of nine years? Yes, but I meant it. Okay, well, we're not measured on the intensity of our intention. We're measured on the on the effectiveness of our decision. So, okay, yeah, I need God in on this one. Uh, This has to do with uh, taking care of our bodies, weight loss, thinking, shunning people, avoiding people, not resolving conflict with people. If If you have a serious problem with conflicts with a lot of people, I suggest you either get the Lord involved in helping you or get even better, get someone here to help you with the Lord to reconcile with people or stop grocery shopping. You know somebody's got a relational issue when they live in Sapphire and they're shopping at Bryson's. 
Oh, we joined Costco. We just go over there in Greenville now. Why? Because I've, I've used every supermarket between here and Greenville. There's people I just can't run into. Living in a small town, I'll keep you pretty honest. I gotta be honest with you. All right, give in, resist, turn to the Holy Spirit within us. All right, if he that is in us is greater than he that is in the world, how do we tap into he that is in us? That's what we're looking for, right? All right, I put this Song of Solomon. Solomon knew this. Catch us the foxes. I think that's Southern slang. Oh, catch me some foxes. Catch us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines for our vines have tender grapes. What's the point here? You got a nice vineyard. You got uh, walnut-sized grapes. You got a fence around it. And it's the little foxes that can get under the fence. Your fence isn't low enough or it's not high enough or doesn't have enough screen on it. And the little foxes get in and get your grapes. The little nuisances. And those are the pebbles, my friend. Those little foxes. They get in and steal your your harvest. The little foxes. We're all included in this. There was a guy that I saw come to the Lord years ago, and it's okay. I'm not not getting on him. I'm just saying this is how he approached it. He saw his new faith as a way to quit smoking. There's nothing wrong with that, but but it could be that that's all he saw his faith for. I don't know. We can we can say, all right, this is what I'm going to do to quit smoking, or this is what I'm going to do to X Y Z. But there's so much more than that. The totality of Christ in our life is a full, rich, vital thing. So I say this to you. This is practical application of Christianity. Ready? Pick your one. Pick your one point. Joshua 24 and 15, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods, small g, of which your fathers served that were here on the other side of the river, or the gods, small g, of the Amorites, in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Big L. What is that one area If you don't know what it is right now, ask the Lord, he'll tell you by the end of the day, I guarantee you, what's the one area that's gotta go? The one area that we're gonna put on notice and the one area that's gonna bring along our sanctification process even more. What is it? You don't have to tell anybody, you keep it to yourselves between you and the Lord. Talk with your spouse about it if you want, but what's your one solitary area? What's the target audience we're gonna go for in your life? In your spirit, your soul, your mind, will, and emotions, or your body? What is it? It's probably the area costing you the most problems. Choose that area. Choose it. Intentionally choose it. Okay? Nail it. Is it a boulder, a stone, a pebble? I have no idea. And none of my business. Choose it. Choose it intentionally. Plan your work and work your plan. All right? If you've been to me for counseling, we end up with a plan. I say, we planned your work, now go work the plan. All right? Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect. So we're not gonna think like the world on this one. We're gonna figure out a plan that works in Christ. Now, I want you to write these three words down. These three words are huge. 
Not as huge as the other three I'm gonna give you, but submit, resist, and flee. If this temptation is coming to you by the tempter, there's three things you do and you get victory every time. You submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. That's James 4, seven through eight. I'm not asking you to memorize 12 scriptures to, to change your life. I'm giving you three words. Submit, resist, and he'll flee. It's really not that hard. We've made it so difficult. He's tempted us to make it complicated and we've, we've taken the bait. It's really not that hard. He really doesn't have the authority you think he does. You have the authority. Resist or submit, resist, and flee. And what does that mean to submit to God? You're in a situation, you're gonna make a stupid decision, you can feel it coming, you've made it a million times before, you're familiar with it, you know what's gonna happen, uh, and you're gonna feel bad afterwards for a little bit, but not as much as you used to, and then you're gonna do it again, okay? But you're gonna promise not to do it again, just to make you feel better, then you're gonna do it again, you're gonna feel ashamed, then you go, what the heck, what am I doing? I'm just gonna do it. Submit to God. Choose this morning, submit to God. I'm gonna place this under your authority. I'm gonna to talk to you about it. And as soon as this situation comes up, you go right to the Lord with it. All right, here we are. We talked about this yesterday, remember? Lord, here's where I am right now. You're invited in. I submit to your authority. You now, because you said you would, help me be sanctified. I'm going to place your authority in this. I'm coming under it like a strong tower. I'm gonna run into it. I'm gonna hide you are my strong tower. I'm running for you right now because I'm about to do this yet again. Yet again. Boom. The righteous run into it and they are safe. I submit to you. And by submitting to you and hiding in you, I am resisting the devil. That's about as easy as it gets, my friend but you've gotta make the conscious decision in your soul to get him involved in it, the spirit of God, the strength that is in you, far better than your own, to overcome the situation before you ever do it. You got, I don't know how much time that is. Sometimes it's not much time at all. It's a passing stupid thought of your flesh. It's your own lustful appetites. It could be as stupid as uh, guys looking at a woman far longer than you should. You know, that may not be a mountain you do all the time, but it's somewhere between a rock and a pebble. Where's the Lord? Ought to be something like, all right, Lord, here I am. We talked about this. I acknowledge you do pretty good work. But I'm submitting to you. I'm getting in the tower. Okay, that's at least something better than, oh, whatever, that's just what I do. That's what men do. That's not what men do. That's not what men do. Not men called by God, bought with a price. A priesthood of all believers, leaders in their home and community, that's not what men do. Has your wife ever caught you looking at another woman? My wife has never pointed that out to me that I'm aware of because I don't think I'd have. That's the thing. Get in the tower, man. Get in the tower. 
but you can't have him a million miles away from you. You've already planned your work. That's exactly where you're running. Resist, submit, resist, and flee. All right. So here's what I want you to do. I realize not everybody's gonna do this. Get you an index card, three by five, something like that. I want you to write these three words on one side and submit, resist, and flee on the other. They all start with R. You got your area, you picked it. The first one is renounce. The second is repent. And the third is restore. There's not enough renouncing in this world. We need to bring this back. What does that mean? I have a thought about, you know, uh, I'm never gonna get anywhere in life. Uh, My mother told me I was a loser. My dad ran away. I grew up on food stamps. I I don't know, I'm, I'm just gonna be a loser the rest of my life. Some thought like that comes through your head. Renounce it. Wait a minute. That's, that's not who I am. And it's not who I'm called to be. It's not what the Lord has for me. I'm to honor my parents the best I can. I'm to let go and forgive. That's not, I renounce that. I no longer want to be that way. And if that's going to be the one thing that you choose to, to hammer on and God give you victory over, you'd be surprised how it frees you up in so many other areas of your life. And I mean that. I renounce that. No, that doesn't fly anymore. That may be some dart that came through my head, but it does not fly anymore. I am renewed. I have the renewing of my mind going on. I'm thinking differently right now. You've got to pause. You've got to take a moment. You've got to be still. And you've got to deal with the thing that flies through you and determines who you are and who you're not. You've got to take control of it in Christ. That's not who I am. That's not how I'm called. That's not what God has for me. I am a child of God and he has something better for me than that. I no longer want to think this way. Lord, I'm running into the tower. I renounce it. Be in charge for crying out loud. Don't be the victim. Don't be the recipient. Be the renouncer. No. No, I'm not going there. Now, there's a lot to do with that. You may have to let some things go. You may have to forgive some people. There's a whole host of things, but when it starts, man, renounce it. You start renouncing sin, you might find that you don't want to do it. Second is repent. I kind of went there, I was there, I'm, I'm turning away from that now. I'm just turning away. That's the resist. I'm turning my back to it, I'm gonna head the other direction. I'm not there anymore. Now, if it's just one area, it's not that hard to figure out how to, how to apply yourself to this. If it's four areas, you're not only double-minded, you're double-double-minded. You're not only unstable, you're twice as unstable. One area. Renounce, repent. Restore me to what you have for me. Restore me to what you have for me. The Australian coat of arm pictures two creatures. The emu, that's that insurance company, isn't it? I've never figured that ad out. I still to this day have no idea what that ad's about. It's the stupidest ad I've ever seen. But here I am, I'm quoting the ad, pulpit, and I know the insurance company, but I have no idea what it means. Stupidest thing i ever heard. I renounce that. The Australian coat of arms pictures two creatures. The emu, a flightless bird, 
and a kangaroo. The animals were chosen because they share a characteristic that appeals to the Australian citizens. Oh, here we go. (laughs) Both the emu, am I saying that right? And kangaroo can move only forward, not back. There's no reverse in these animals. The emu's three-footed, three-toed foot causes it to fall if it tries to go backwards. I'd like to see that, actually. (laughs) And the kangaroo is prevented from moving in reverse by its large tail. Wow. Those who truly choose to follow Jesus become like the emu and kangaroo, moving only forward, never back. I like that. I don't have much of affection for emus. But I understand the principle. So here's your assignment. Self-identify an area of your life unduly, negatively influenced by your mind, will, emotions, or mind, will, or emotions, or body, flesh, Prayerfully devise a preemptive plan to battle temptation when it rises, suddenly arises. Write the battle plan on an index card. That's three words. Keep it on your person for a month. Walk around with it. It ought to be falling apart at the end of the month. Record your victories on that card or in your journal. Not that hard. Not that expensive either. Three by five card. One side it says submit, resist, flee. The other side it says renounce, repent, restore. Self-identify and unduly negatively influenced by your physical flesh. You may not want everybody to see these cards. Now get moving in the direction God wants you to move so the relationship you have with him doesn't get cluttered. Amen. John Newton said this, I am not what I want to be. I am not what I want to be. I am not what I ought to be. I am not what I wish to be. I am not what I hope to be. But thank God, I am not what I once was. And I can say with the great apostle, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Amen. It is easier to cry against 1,000 sins of others than to kill one of your own. John Flavel. Wow. Put it that way. I want me. I want me in my life to be victorious over areas that are destructive. I want you in your life over areas in your life that are destructive. As we close this service, if we can't be intentional about these things, don't expect victory. or wholeness, or completeness, or peace. Enjoy the sensitivity, the growing sensitivity to sin. Enjoy that. That's good. It is okay. Conviction is a beautiful, marvelous, loving dance between you and the Spirit. It's okay. You've been taught otherwise, perhaps. It's okay. It's not okay to be dull to it, unaware, denying, rationalizing, hiding, pretending you are someone you're not.
pray. I want to pray for two people in addition to this congregation this morning. Wendy Lupus, who left here last Sunday, went out west. I can't even imagine how this feels. Broke her femur in multiple places. And Bruce Linklater is having a kidney removed. A necessary operation. Let's pray for them and let's pray for us as we go back out into this world where sin is seemingly an endangered species. Over Wendy, we pray wholeness, resiliency, determination, faith, and recovery. Touch her spirit, soul, and body. Having just finished one year of physical rehab to begin yet another. Help her through that process in the name of Jesus Christ. And over Bruce, Father. Over Peggy Lefebvre here over Candy Kerhulis. The grace, we plead the grace of God, the mercy of God, the blood of God, Jehovah Rapha, heal and restore. Relieve them of this malady. If it be, if it be in our hearts to pray in earnest, then let us pray, not only now, but going forward and not backward. Bring us good report in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, before you leave, um, I want to take an offering. If the Lord puts it on your heart, that's fine. If not, that's fine too. Uh, we're going to take an offering. We try to help some of these ladies that, that graduate from the, um, the one-year program. And oftentimes, you can imagine when you're someplace for a year and you're not working, you're not producing, you're receiving. Sometimes you need a little help. And who else but the body of Christ? We're gonna to try to put together what we can of an offering to maybe help Christy with a car, if possible. Maybe you have a car. Maybe you have a car and you like walking. <laughs> maybe you have a second car or a third car. Whatever the case may be, we're gonna see what we can do to help her. Um, because that's what we do. That's not what we do, that's who we are, right? There's a difference. All right, get you a three by five card. Pinpoint that thing, go after it this week. Have fun with it, because you're gonna overcome, amen? All right, let's close with this song and then we'll go.